This is episode 74, Straight Up Chats, with my guest, Jeremy Cropper. We all make mistakes. That's inevitable to make a mistake. But sometimes we repeat the same mistakes over and over and over again. I hold my hand up, I'm certainly guilty of that. But what if you can break a mistake? What if you can actually become more self-aware and every time you make a mistake, you can reflect, learn, move on and not make that mistake again? Today I'm interviewing Jeremy Cropper and we're talking about how emotional intelligence and self-awareness can help to break a mistake. Jeremy is a highly skilled builder in the UK, running a building and construction company for around 20 years. So huge practical skills, lots of knowledge in that area. But he's made a few mistakes in his life, and he'll get into that in more detail. Found himself in six figures gambling debt and found himself in a cycle of repetitively making the same mistake. At one point, he was low enough to attempt to take his own life. And through those painful experiences, he finally took responsibility, started to make better choices embarked on a journey towards success and through finding new mentors, new coaches and becoming more self-aware, Jeremy is now helping others break their mistakes. A soon-to-be author, let's jump in and talk to Jeremy Cropper about breaking mistakes. A good way to start might be just to share a little bit of your story, like what took you from builder to coach. Okay, so... That's a transition I haven't fully made yet, and it's one that I'm going through. I'm still very much a thoroughbred builder, but it's been a very interesting journey, so much so that actually I've decided to write a book about it. And it was actually the relationship that I built with my customers that gave me that idea that I could do more with where I wanted to go with my life. And there's very much the, within the entrepreneurial circle, there's very much the sort of like a cliche, you do what you love and love what you do. And that's, that's great, but it, you know, it doesn't always, doesn't always work like that because what you, what people love doesn't actually resonate with, with how they actually are. And by that, I mean, you can love something and it'd be completely abstract, you know, and you're not going to, you're not going to make a living out of that. Uh, and you can have all these crazy ideas and all these positive ideas as well. But if they don't actually resonate with what you believe about your potential, then you're never they're not. It's not actually going to work. And it was actually that transition through speaking to my customers that I gained that belief that this is something that I could actually do. And the idea of that I fell in love with. And so that was where it resonated, fell in love, falling in love with the idea and so I've, I've pursued that. And it was really my mum that helped with that as well. And the book and the podcast and all of that is very much to do with, with my mum and the time that I spent with her last year. And that's kind of helped that idea to grow. So it's given that, that idea, which is an energy force, and it, it's given that idea somewhere to grow and the environment conducive to its growth. What was it about what your mum said or did that helped you along the way there? I don't know if it's anything that she actually said uh, as such. It wasn't one thing that she said. It was the time. It was a very surreal experience. Uh, just to put you in the picture, my mum passed away. She died of cancer last year. And it was the time leading up to her death that we we just had 
some very raw, honest conversations. And it was, it's, it's quite hard to explain, but I think that the best way of explaining it would be to say it was a spiritual experience. And so bringing that whole balancing that intelligence so you've got your you've got your iq which is your intellectual quotient and you've got your eq which is your emotional intelligence but you've also got physical intelligence and spiritual intelligence and each one of those is like a tire on a car or so a wheel of a car and if you if one of them's flat then the car is never going to work or it's never going to drive perfectly and this was something that really actually kind of twigged with that time with my mum and so I thought actually one of my tyres or two of two of my tyres have been flat and so sort of just inflating them and trying to balance all of that uh, intelligence together and it just kind of clicked and I thought no this is what I have to do. When you mentioned there about being it was sort of raw and honest conversation in those in that last period of time you spent with her up until then had you not had sort of those that level of depth in conversation with your mum? not to the depth that no no not not to that depth and it was there's some things and i've always been very respectful of my mum and there wasn't any disrespect in that sense but actually it was just challenging her and almost like i know you're going to go now mum so i'm going to be on my own is what you've t- you know how do i know what you've taught me is true because i i know that i've been conditioned to a certain extent and it was just just her her response and her the way that she handled that with just such such grace and peace and it was it was just a really beautiful time and you are living in Cheltenham UK but I'd like to know because you said earlier you grew up in Cornwall yeah I'm a Midlands boy so I'm from you know Birmingham area and I think I've been to Cornwall once but tell us what's life like in Cornwall what's life like growing up there we were very near the sea. I loved the sea, so that was great. We spent a lot of time on the beaches. Uh, did you know the various things that you do when you're at the beaches? So I learned to learn to surf and and those sorts of things. Not knowing anything different, so grow, growing up, I guess it was just the same as everyone else growing up. You know, we used to do what boys used to do and ride our bikes and do all those sorts of things. And it wasn't until I kind of left school and exploring the options. I realised it wasn't the work or the prospects so much down there. It felt very much out on a limb. Uh, it relies very heavily on tourism. So, I mean, it's a beautiful place to, to visit, but it is, it's lacking in the opportunities for jobs. I don't know if that's true so much now, but it certainly was 20 years ago when I, when I moved out of Cornwall. For those who don't live in the UK, like I'll be honest, the weather can be shit sometimes. <laughs> but although recently it's been amazing, but Cornwall is the surf spot of the UK, really, isn't it? It's that one place you can go and surf. Yes, it is. Yeah, and and because it's right down in the southwest, and the land is very narrow there. You've got the the north and the south coast, which is very very, very close together. So if, if if the north coast is flat, then the south coast might be all right. Now the mistake breaker. I wanted to know what place do mistakes have for us or are they there just to ruin our lives or is there a bigger purpose for us making mistakes are they there just to ruin our lives <laughs> i think they can do if you allow them to and that's that's kind of the point of mistake breaker because actually mistakes can be mistakes can be a, a, a good thing as well they don't have to be a bad thing 
I'll give you an example. How, how can a mistake be a good thing? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Is it, is it there just to help teach us a lesson? I mean, it does, they do teach us lessons, but things can come out of them that would never have happened if you hadn't made that mistake. What's inspired you to do this work around mistakes and in breaking them specifically? Well, I, I am an expert in that area, in the area of, <laughs> of making mistakes. And that's, that's the thing. And the point is that I'm still here because I, I've made some, some pretty pretty big mistakes. And the, the actual mistake breaker was, again, that was uh, came from a book that I was reading at the time, actually, Psychosybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. And whilst I was talking to my mum, we, we just happened to mention, we were talking about the things that we'd done. And she said to me, I, I, I've made many mistakes. And the quote in the book says, I might be a mistake maker, but I'm also a mistake breaker. And so I said that to her because it was fresh in my mind. And her response to that was she, you know, the way she she just smiled and sort of said mistake breaker and, and nodded peacefully. And, you know, you could see she was uh, semi-conscious at the time, but just with that with that smile on her face, she'd really taken it in. And, and that kind of resonated with me. And it's like a yeah, mistake breaker, mistake breaker. And that's that's kind of where it, where it came from, really. And I thought, yeah, do you know, I've made some some pretty big mistakes, but they've they've shaped me into who I am now. Because you talked about having quite an addictive personality and, and you spoke of a gambling addiction there. So would you be willing to share some of that journey with us? Yeah, for sure. Um, g- gambling is, is hugely addictive. I developed a belief that I could do really well and win loads of money playing poker. And that wasn't the case. And I, I got online? Online poker? Yeah, it was, it was mainly online poker, yeah. And I got very much hooked into that and it was a a very slippery path and it lasted for several years and very expensive mistake so when you get to that point where i mean that that is a that's a big mistake yeah Uh, but obviously there was a pivot point there so what was the pivot point for you the pivot point when i realized that i wasn't ever going to get out of this i think that i think there's a belief within a gambler that the next big win will be the one that will get them out of the, the trouble. I think there's a, a, a level of denial that goes with gambling. I believe that you speak to any gambler and they will not be truthful about the level of debt that they've got into or how much they've lost. They will talk about their wins because it is the wins that uh, release those chemicals in your brain that cause the addiction because without the wins then <laughs> you it's wouldn't a flood be of much dopamine, point right? yeah absolutely and so you, you do get that and, and when you get that you, you you think that it's it's always going to be like that i mean i've won several thousand pounds in one evening playing poker that could be a great living if you could repeat that but then you you lose it again and then you chase it and then you lose more and it got to the point when i realized that I'd maxed out all my credit cards and then got loans to pay off my credit cards and then maxed them all out again and then consolidate my loans to pay off the credit cards and then maxed all the credit cards out again. And then when you get to that point where it's like, no, we're not giving you any more money, you think, ah, yeah, now now I'm in trouble. And you're kind of on your last last bit of money thinking you have to make this work and you, you start winning a bit back and then you lose that that last 10 grand <laughs> and it's and it's it's yeah it's pretty low pretty low point 
was there an event or a, a point where that just sort of changed your direction? I mean, that obviously being at that low point would be the precipice for change. But was there something that gave you that kick in the ass? Let's say. Yeah, uh, my family. Just the realization that I wasn't being true to myself either, and that I was a completely different person when I was gambling, and that's not who I wanted to be. And I have written about it. Um, I'm still writing about it. I still have to keep going back to do that because, yeah, it is a painful time. And there are people involved in that time that, you know, obviously going to be sensitive to the things that happened. Just, just coming back to your question, I think you asked, was there a pivotal turning point? And I, I, I don't know if I can actually identify a pivotal turning point other than literally getting to, to rock bottom financially and realising that there was no way that I could possibly even fund any more gambling. Just I couldn't get the money. You're listening to Straight Up Chats, the Man Bits podcast. Now, we're at a point here, Jerry, which I call the middle bits. I'm going to give you some quick fire type questions. Are you ready? Yeah, sure. What would be your number one tip for a kick-ass mind health? Gratitude. Learning to be grateful. Learning to develop the mindset of gratitude. Even when the worst things happen, there's still always something to be thankful for. And I've got so much to be thankful for. Even in the darkest places, you know, just thankful for my family, thankful for my friends, thankful for the people that were there for me. You're in that transition period, you know, working towards doing some coaching and helping people learn from mistakes. And whose work has influenced your work? Is there somebody that you can draw from that's given you that inspiration or a number of people? Yeah, a number of people. I could, I could list list loads of people. Books that I've read to authors, Maxwell Maltz, obviously, with Psycho-Cybernetics. Uh, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits, Highly Effective People. That's great. But coaches, um, so Christian Simpson very very big influence on me and he was part of the John Maxwell team so would have had influences like Bob Proctor as well Darren Hardy big influence and of course Rob Moore can't not mention Rob big influence as well of course he was my episode 50 yeah absolutely I listened to that is yeah well great guy great guy big inspiration to me as well is there perhaps a lesson that you have learned along the way that's not taught in school I think most of the lessons that are learning aren't taught in school, to be honest. I can't remember who, who said it. I think it was it Einstein that said education is uh, when we've forgotten everything we learned at school. <laughs> I've not heard that quote. That's good. Don't get me wrong. Teachers, you know, I think teachers are underpaid and they do a great job. But the things that we are taught at school is, is to, to a certain extent, it's just not relevant anymore, I don't think. And that's not to say that you shouldn't pursue and education. Uh, I think education is important and to do well at school and to do A-levels, you know, university, all of that is great. But the performance gap in life now, uh, well, the performance gap used to be knowledge, you know, and that's why people like Andrew Carnegie built all the universities or libraries, all those sorts of things. And, you know, just thinking that people need education, they need education. But the knowledge is, is out there now. All the knowledge, everything you need to know is, is already out there. And a lot of the knowledge that you need to know to succeed, you already know. You already know how to be 
a good father. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. So you know how to be a good father. You know how to be a better person. You know, And if you don't know the answers to these questions, then you can Google it. You know that the information is out there. So it's not knowledge that we need anymore. It's awareness. Uh, and it's the implementation of that knowledge, which which is key now. And that's that's just not taught at school. Mm, and I guess you're sort of leaning towards that EQ that you refer to in the in the physical and spiritual. Yeah, there's actually schools now in Australia that, and maybe in other countries as well. I'm sure there is that are running specific programs around positive psychology and uh, and EQ, uh, which is really cool. Yeah, uh, there's one in Adelaide. Maybe one day it will be part of a curriculum, uh, a serious part of a curriculum. Yeah, it'd be good to see that because I think that's where it begins. Yeah. My last question of the middle bits is to choose a word, to choose a word of intention. If there's one word you could set as your intention for the coming 12 months, what would that word be? One word. I would be clever with this one. I'm going to say say praxis. P-R-A-X-I-S. So the the implementation of, of knowledge. Praxis. Praxis, yeah. Good one for Scrabble. Yeah, I'm not going to jot that one down. <laughs> <laughs> so that means the implementation of knowledge. Yeah. So it's, uh, like I said, people know what to do already most of the time. They just don't do it. Uh, and practice is actually implementing that that knowledge that we've learned. I'd like to ask if we can dig into mistake breaking a little bit. I want to know, if, is there some formula or method or process that you would take to start to unpack and break up a, a mistake? What is mistake breaking? Is there a formula? No, I don't think there's a formula. I think everybody's different. There's no there's no secret to this. I think the, the idea of mistake breakers is to actually talk about some of the mistakes that I've made and to help people not to do those things. I think if you t- if you speak to any successful entrepreneur or any successful person, they will have at least one or usually a catalogue of mistakes that they have made. And that is pivotal to a lot of them, to helping them learning. You know, we, we've, we've talked about that. But it's not compulsory. You don't actually have to make mistakes to be successful. And if you can learn from your mistakes, that's great. But if you can learn from other people's mistakes, then surely that has to be better. So how would you help somebody to do that? How would you help someone as a coach? I would help them to think inductively rather than deductively a lot of it is is about developing self-awareness and rather than being influenced by external information and things are actually drawing out the information from within them and so they they become aware of the consequences of the mistakes because i mean the the likelihood is that they're they're making mistakes anyway i mean we, we all make mistakes everybody makes mistakes but it's the continuation of those mistakes it's the repeating of those of those mistakes that is going to co- have the compound effect that's going to cause the damage because you do, it's it's very rare that you make i mean you know there, there are going to be the classic mistakes that you make once and you you think you're never going to do that again god forbid you use your mobile phone whilst driving you know you, you you do some damage you crash your car that i think hopefully if anybody was to make that mistake they're going to learn from that but it's it's things that are less obvious than that the the small mistakes that people are making so it's just yeah becoming aware of them and being being honest about it what comes to mind is things as you say subtle things like in a relationship where you repeat the same behavior from an old relationship to a new relationship but you don't realize you're repeating that same behavior until you see the same issues coming up 
absolutely yeah people have have baggage and yeah relationships is a classic one because you're going to take something from one relationship into the next and and the the, the new partners is going to respond very differently because nobody nobody uh, reacts or responds to the same things in the same way what's your take on the, the fear and avoidance of even making a mistake in the first place some people don't even take any action through the absolute fear of making a mistake i think that's the biggest mistake of all isn't it who's, <laughs> who's, who said that the, the the greatest mistake is the fear that you'll continually make one and so you don't actually do anything yeah that's i mean that's a mistake in itself to to not it's, it's better to so breaking a mistake is is kind of like correcting a course and you use the analogy of uh, an airplane for example going it's 95 percent of the time it's not on the right course so it's continually correcting, but you can't correct or break a mistake if you're not traveling, if you're standing still. If you're standing still, you're going nowhere. So if we're talking about a journey and life being a journey and you're standing still, then you're never going to reach your, your destination, are you? You'd be better to at least just get going and then you can realize your mistakes and then you can correct your mistakes and, and point yourself in the right direction. Is there sort of a, a couple of things that people could use to start that? Like, let's say someone's listened to this and going, yeah, I think I'm carrying some baggage, let's say, into a new relationship. How how do they get started to unwind that? Because it's not, it's not a simple, I'm going to stop making this mistake now, is it? Because it's, it's, sometimes it's habit. Yeah, they need to to get help. They need to talk to somebody. They need to find somebody they can, uh, some trust and and speak to them. But the first, the first step is is having that awareness because a lot of people don't realise they're making a mistake. So how do you get help if you if you don't know that you're making a mistake? So it's only it's only when the the effect of the mistakes comes to comes to life that you you have that realisation. You're in denial until the pain's too strong that you can't ignore it anymore. That's right. Yeah. Perhaps I mean this is a good time you could tell us a bit about the book because uh, when's it coming out? Uh, is it out? Uh, no, it's not out yet. So I am still writing it. I get I get asked a lot now. How's how's the book coming on? And that's you know that's a great question because obviously you put put that out there that you're writing a book, so people obviously ask you that. And my favourite answer is, has always been, well, the biggest struggle that I'm having is that I'm really rubbish at writing. <laughs> and okay, that that always gets a laugh, but actually. It's not a helpful answer for me because what that does is it, it kind of takes the pressure off me a little bit. And people think, oh, yeah, that, that's that's fine. You know, he's, he's carrying on. And it, it's really hard. It's really hard writing a book. Mm, one of the hardest things. I didn't think I didn't realize how hard it would be. And when I when I give an answer like that, what I've done is I've just actually written a, a little blog post about it called my monkeys. My monkey called me a hypocrite. And that's that's because there's that part of your brain, the, the monkey part of your brain that just, you know, wants to digress or go off after anything else. Oh, this is too difficult. You give up. You know, you can do this. And, and it's, it's really hard. So I'm pressing on. I, I re- realize where I'm at. I want to finish it this year. So I'm hoping it'll be finished by by the end of this year. I mean, if I can get it edited and published by my birthday, which is in February, that would be great. Um, the podcast is coming out on the 19th of October, so hopefully that will add, you know, the final 
content tweaks as well. Uh, and the reason it's coming out the 19th of October is because that's my mum's birthday. So, you know, I've just, I just picked these dates. I've said, you know, you've got to pick a date to launch it. So that was the, the first one that came into my head. So I'm working towards that. But yeah, hopefully the book 23rd of February, there I go. I've put it out there now. So yeah, good, good. And what do we expect from it? Or sort of what, what are we going to get out of it? Okay. So it's, it's raw. It's going to be an honest journey of some of the paths that I've been down, some of the the dark paths that I've, I've been down. How I actually uh, transitioned into the into the building trade, how I got into that, uh, and then there's, so there's a lot about realizing your potential and actually growing that potential is the, the journey of, of self development. There's yes there's there's some funny stories in there as well it's 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 full on it's quite it's quite deep there's there's a lot of things about eq sq pq and iq as well which we've talked about and just you know a lot of the things that i've learned from some great coaches as well so yeah it's kind of a a mix between a a, a biography and a self-help book i guess well look when it comes out and yeah, I can make sure, you know, I can even put a note in my diary to keep checking in with you and just annoying the hell out of you. That, that would help. <laughs> um, but when it does come out, you know, we'd love to add the link to the book into our show notes so I can make sure and I'll you know, you. absolutely make sure uh, everyone listening can, can know when it's launched if they want to have a read of it. So, And same thing for the podcast, yeah. Um, where would people go to check out the podcast once it's live? It's going to be on YouTube. It's going to be on Stitcher and iTunes. And all the links to those will be on my website as well, which is mistake-breaker.com. I'm super happy for you that you're you're making this transition. You're taking these steps of progress forward in terms of the book. It is the hardest thing ever, apparently. Um, someone said to me, are you going to write a book? And I said, I have no idea. I'm not even thinking about it <laughs> at this stage. But I see... After doing the podcast for so long, you sort of start to form ideas um, that may not be already out there. And I see where you might be coming from in that you just want to put it out into the world. So uh, good on you for doing it. Yeah, thank you. It's it's scary. So there's, there's you know, stuff about overcoming fear in there as well. Um, yeah, because it is, it is scary. Well, that's it. You're publicizing some of the personal parts of your life, aren't you? It takes a lot of courage to do that. Yeah. That's the key word, courage. Courage, that's the key to overcoming fear. It's a sort of a cathartic nature to doing something like that. Yeah, I, th- I think I think there is. And one of the best ways to to learn as well, isn't it, is to uh, so you take in all, all the knowledge that you, you, you're acquiring, you, you read it, you write it, and then you teach it. And it's kind of like a, a full circle. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm teaching myself by doing this. Uh, and it's very much a, a work in progress. The book I'm going to have to plug Rob's book because you know, start now, get perfect later. You know, I've just just finished reading that, and that's is about now. Just just start, just get going, and then you you can perfect it later. Um, so that that's what I'm doing. I've I've started, and we're on the journey. Jerry Cropper, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for jumping on with me. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening, everyone. That's Jeremy Cropper, The Mistake Breaker. Keep an eye out for his book, The Mistake Breaker, coming out early in 2019. If you haven't already subscribed, just hop onto your phone right now, hit subscribe so you'll be notified of any of our new episodes. We have big changes coming in the early 2019. 
and I'm really looking forward to telling you all about what we're bringing to you. For those of you who'd like the inside scoop on all the changes that are coming in 2019, jump onto our mailing list. That's easy to find. Go to themanbits.com and on the homepage there, you'll see an option there to jump onto our mailing list and become part of the family. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. Head over there and have a great week. Next week, I'm bringing to you Dan Griffin. He's an internationally recognized author, thought leader, and expert on men's relationships and masculinity. So I'll be asking Dan some questions about his history of mental health and addiction and how he's now helping men take a holistic look at sobriety through the 12-step program. Join me next week for that one and obviously on Sunday for our bonus episode. Have a good one.